0: Thank you. My name's John Redman from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. I hope that you're doing well wherever you might be listening today, and I just hope the sermon that you'll listen to today on our program will be a real blessing to you. What would cause a branch to stop abiding in the vine? What would cause a believer who has truly been saved? who knows what it's like to have intimacy, fellowship, closeness, and oneness with God, what would cause a believer to stop abiding in Jesus, and now they're living a blah, flat, negative, defeated life? What in the world would cause that to happen? Well, if you have your bulletin, we'll just kind of scoot right down that list, and we'll let that uh, be the hooks upon which we hang our thoughts this morning. First of all, other interest. Other interest. In other words, it is possible as a Christian to get to a place in your life where even though you would never say this to anybody else and even though you would never even verbalize it in your own mind, but the fact is you are interested in other things more than you're interested in God. You just have something that has come into your life. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's your bank account. It could be any of these things. Maybe it's a relationship. It could be anything in your life. And the truth is, to you, that has usurped the role of Jesus Christ in your life. We could say it this way. That thing has become an idol in your life. What is an idol? An idol is anything that we think about that we treasure more than we treasure our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when that happens or if that happens to a person, that person would no longer be abiding in Jesus at that point. I was interested a couple three weeks ago to read something about a missionary back years and years ago. His name was John Mott and he was a missionary Uh, I think he was actually a missionary in Japan. But this was back during the time when the President of the United States was Calvin Coolidge. And Calvin Coolidge had learned about this particular missionary and learned about his integrity, his intelligence, his influence. And so he approached this man and said, would you consider being the United States ambassador to the nation of Japan? That was his question. And the quote I read said this. When asked by President Calvin Coolidge to be the U.S. ambassador to Japan, missionary John Mott said, Mr. President, God has called me to be an ambassador from the courts of heaven. And since that call, I have been deaf to all other invitations. Now, you think what you would do If you received a call this week from the White House, and they said, we've learned about you, and we think you would be a perfect ambassador to Japan, or to China, or to Israel, or to one of these countries, or we think you would be a wonderful Secretary of State or we think you would be a wonderful secretary of defense, or you might even get a call from the president that said, hey, when I run next time, I would like you to be my running mate. I would like for you to be the vice presidential candidate. Let me ask you a question. What would you say if you got a call from Washington, from the president, asking you to fill one of those high-ranking positions? Well, you know, I don't know what you would say. I fear There are many pastors and ministers today who, if they received a call from Washington to be in a high-ranking position, they would walk away from their church. They would quit the ministry. They would would walk away from the pastorate. And they would say, I've received a higher calling. Washington has called. Let me tell you something. If you've received a call from God, there is no higher calling than that. And this missionary who said back to the president how honored he was and how appreciative he was, but he said, when I received a call from heaven to represent Jesus Christ, since that time I've been deaf to all other calls. That is the answer for anybody who's truly been called of God. You can't walk away from what you've done. I think about the life of Billy Graham and how many times that he was approached in his lifetime by political parties and they said Dr. Graham you're a wonderful preacher God is using you in great ways but if you would leave that arena and come to the political arena he was asked run for president be the president you have so many people who know you you could make such a positive influence on the United States of America and Dr. Graham always kindly and always with humility responded and said I so appreciate what you're asking me to do but there's no way that I could walk away from the calling that God has placed on my life. The point is, it would have been easy for this missionary to have become more interested in the political process of the United States of America, which, hey, let's face it, most of us are interested in that that he would have walked away from God's calling on his life. But he said, no, I can't let any other interest compete for what God has called me to do. But nonetheless, sometimes people stop abiding in Jesus because there's something else. Now, for most of us, it's not going to be something like that illustration. Again, it would be a hobby or relationship or a career or something that is demanding more of our heart and more of our thoughts than God himself. A second thing that can cause a branch to stop abiding in the vine is unanswered prayer and unanswered questions. In other words, here's a person who loves God. They're walking with God. They're abiding in Jesus. They have the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, and yet something happens, some tragedy. Maybe their spouse gets sick, or maybe a family member is going through something, and they pray to God for healing, and that person is not healed, at least not on earth. Or maybe something else happens, maybe to this person himself or herself, and they say, God, why would you have allowed this into my life? And God doesn't seem to answer that question, or at least not yet. And so the person is disillusioned, and the person thinks, God, if you loved me, God, if you were real, God, if you had all power, God, why wouldn't you have come through for me? Or why would you have allowed me to walk through this valley? Or, God, why would you have allowed my life to become unraveled like it has. Last week, Tom Gamble and I visited a man, never had met him before, who has been through some heartbreaking situations and circumstances in his life. And as he was sharing that with us, My heart just went out to him and I thought, man, this is some major stuff that he's going through. And I thought how easy it would have been for him to have turned away from God. And yet he's not doing that. He's seeking God. But I can understand how a person could be so disillusioned with life that they would allow unanswered prayer and unanswered questions to just cause them to stop abiding and just walk away from it. It's the wrong thing to do. But I think many people have done that. They've been hurt. And they've just disillusionally walked away from God. And then I think another thing that can cause this to happen, can cause a person to stop abiding, is what I would call an unforgiving and bitter spirit. This is like one step further than the unanswered prayer and unanswered questions. The person at this point says, God... I can't believe you would allow this this to happen in my life, and they get bitter at God. Or maybe they say, maybe it's not God they're bitter at. Maybe it's another person has hurt them or talked behind their back or tried to damage their reputation in some way. And so they're bitter and they're angry, and they have developed an unforgiving spirit. They have developed what the Scripture calls a bitter root. We read about that in Hebrews. And it talks about in the Bible, in Hebrews, that if we have a bitter root, It's only a matter of time until that root produces bitter fruit. And when that root produces the fruit, many people are going to be defiled. And so if you in your life allow bitterness to come in and take root and you become negative and sarcastic and angry and unforgiving and and just bitter towards somebody, what you're going to do is grieve the heart of God. You're going to break the heart of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that... The, the Holy Spirit's flow in your life is going to be quenched. Now, turn, if you would, a few pages to the book of Ephesians, just to the right. One of Paul's great letters, Ephesians chapter number 4. And he's talking about this whole idea of grieving the Spirit and blocking the flow. Remember, in a tr- with a tree, it's the sap that runs from the vine to the branches. That's what produces the fruit. The apples, the oranges, the lemons, the tangerines. It's all produced because the sap has run from the vine to the branches. Well, in the Christian life, the Holy Spirit is very much like that sap. And he runs from the vine to the branches as we stay connected to the vine, as we stay connected to Jesus. But bitterness and anger is one of the things that could block the flow of the Spirit. Look in verse number 30. Paul said, Ephesians 4.30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That word grieve means don't make God sad. Don't break God's heart. Don't don't cause God to have like a heavy spirit about him. You say, well, what in the world could I do to grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, look in verse 31. He tells us what causes that. Let all bitterness. Now, Now, here's a person who something has happened, and instead of trusting God and forgiving the person, they've let this bitter root take hold. And that bitterness, now watch, see, that that bitter root doesn't stay a root. it It produces fruit. Look at the fruit. Fruit, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. And so now what started as bitterness in your heart, nobody knew about it but you. You might not even have known about it. But in time, undealt with, that bitter root is now producing bitter fruit. Now you're angry. Now you're, you're, you're speaking evil things. Now you're being rude to people. Now you're trying to hurt people. Now you're trying to hurt somebody's feelings. And he says, that you've got to put that away. It's grieving the Spirit. And in verse 32, he says, and be kind to one another. It's the opposite of that. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ, forgave you. Now, the reason this bitterness is so very important that we deal with it is because we all, this can happen to any of us if we don't deal with it properly. I was thinking last week of an example. I thought, God, one of these points is about bitterness. And I thought about a time when I was preaching a revival in another state. And on one of the nights of that revival, I was sitting down here on the front row with the pastor. We had our time of worship. It was about to be time for the sermon, and so they took up the offering. And just like most the order of service, and then there was a special music before the sermon. And for the special music, the pastor had invited some guy that lived in the area to come sing. And he sang a beautiful voice. It was a great song. I never forget when he got finished singing that song, he walked off the platform. He walked. It was just. It's a country church, so it had one center aisle. He walked out the center aisle of that church, walked out the back door, and he slammed the back door behind him. Pam, it popped real loud. I thought, I've never had anybody walk out on me before I even start preaching. I mean, this is kind of different. You know, I hadn't even started. come to find out it had nothing to do with me at all. We didn't even know each other, but I, I did remember thinking, that's, that's, an, that's an odd situation there. Maybe he had a family emergency. I don't know what's going on. And, so I preached my sermon after the service. Pastor and I were talking about what had happened during the service. And I said to the pastor, I questioned him about that. I said, I noticed the fella got finished singing, and he just kind of, he didn't run out the back door, but he kind of walked fast, almost, was, almost trotted out the back uh, door, slammed the door. And I said to the pastor, I said, uh, was there a family emergency? What's going on? He said, no, John, there's not, not a family emergency. He said, that, that man has been through some really hard times in his life in ministry. He started telling me some of the things he'd been through in his, in his ministry. And, 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 it was, and it sounded very painful, and it sounded like some maybe things that were unfair. And he said, John, what has happened is that man has become very bitter. And he said, I invited him to sing tonight thinking that it might be good for him. But he said, my plan backfired. I don't think it was good. So I've been thinking about that all last week. I called my pastor friend yesterday, and I reminded him of that story. And I said, hey, that's been 12 or 13 years. I said, What's the, whatever happened to that guy? What, what, was, the, what was the end of that story? And he said, you know, John, he said, that man's situation kind of went from bad to worse. And he just kind of began to chronicle things that had happened in the last 12 or 13 years. And we talked about that. It's just a sad situation. But I thought to myself, here is a great example of somebody who had been hurt. And it sounded like, from what the pastor described, he really hadn't done anything to bring... It just happened. and really, But but it, nonetheless, it did happen. And now he's been hurt. But he allowed that bitter root to settle in, in his heart. And it's just... Pretty well. I wouldn't say it's ruined his life, but it's just messing his life up. Friend, I want to say to you today, in all of our lives, things happen. Life happens. And I heard somebody say one time, 10% of life is what happens to us, and 90% of what life is, is of life is how we respond to it. And I want to encourage you, in your response, which is really the only thing you can control at the end of the day, if you'll just do these two things: trust God and love people you won't be bitter. Trust God and love people. If that's all you get out of this sermon today, what was the sermon about today? Trust God and love people. Say that with me. Trust God, love people. Turn a little more in the right of your Bible to 1 John chapter 3. I'll show you another great verse here. In 1 John chapter number 3, Again, this is the same John who's writing and talking about abiding Jesus. Stay connected to the vine. Don't let anything come between you and Jesus. And in in his other letter here, 1 John chapter 3, one of his other letters, and in verse 23, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, notice what he says. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us command. There's another way of saying, trust God and love one another. Friend, whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, trust God with it. He allowed it into your life for a purpose, and then if somebody has hurt you or done you wrong, just show unconditional love. Don't don't have anybody in your life whom you hate. In other words, just say, God, help me to love this person like you love me. I want to guard my spirit because if not, I'm going to block the flow of the spirit in my life. Now watch this. Once the flow of the spirit is blocked, you're not going to have those qualities. So what I'm saying to you, I don't know. You know, There's a lot of things that can happen to all of us in life. But nothing is worth losing our peace over. Nothing is worth losing our joy over. Nothing is worth losing our love for other people over. So trust God and love people. And I think you will struggle hopefully so much with that bitterness. And then another thing that can cause us to a branch to stop abiding in the vine, that's just what I would call a rebellious attitude. In other words, God says, I want you to do this and we do the opposite. And it's just, it's, it's, it's just clear, it's just, it's just rebellion. And when we rebel against God, did you know in the Bible, it says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now there's not a one of us here today who would get involved in the occult or witchcraft, or demonic practices like that. And yet the Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And so all of us have to say, God, I don't want to have a rebellious spirit. I mean, certainly I'm not perfect. I'm going to stumble along the way. But I want to be obedient, and I want to go your way and do what you want me to do. And then one other thing I would mention is is something you have to just add this in. It's not in your bulletin. But that can come between us and Jesus, and that is a divided mind. A divided mind, if you let thoughts like fear, doubt, rationalization, excessive reasoning, trying to figure everything out, especially, I mean, if you let any of those things, especially fear, that can cause you to stop abiding in Jesus because if you go through the day with a fearful thought in your mind, you're not meditating on God, you're not thinking about God, you're thinking about that fearful thought and that's not ever going to be a good thing. And so what we want to do... Is as the Scripture said, we want to keep our mind on God. In Isaiah 26, 3, it says, Isaiah said, God, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Did you know in the Bible the mind and the heart is closely related? In other words, what we think about, and what we experience down in our heart, it, 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 it goes together. And that's why the Bible says we have to take every thought captive. We have to think about what we think about. And when we have a fearful thought come to our mind, we have to stop that thought. We have to replace that thought with God and the presence of God and His power and His ability uh, to take care of us. And so we replace that again with trust and with faith in God. Now, you still and Say amen. I want you to look back over that list. What could cause a branch to stop abiding in the vine. Let's just look at it again. And you think about your life. Is any of this happening to you? Other interest, Unanswered prayer? Unanswered questions? An unforgiving bitter spirit? A rebellious attitude? That's just out and out sin? And then a divided mind? Do you find yourself worrying and all that as opposed to trusting God? Now here's the question. If you today as a Christian, a child of God, have stopped abiding in the vine. In other words, you look at your life and you say, you know what? I don't have the same joy and peace that I used to have. I don't have the same love for others. I'm not as kind as I used to be. I'm not as gentle as I used to be. I'm not as patient as I want to be. I think maybe something, one of these things, or maybe multiples of these things, has caused me to stop abiding in the vine. Here's the million dollar question. Can a branch once it has stopped abiding in the vine, can that branch start abiding in the vine again? And the answer to that question is a conditional yes. It's not a straight on yes. It's not an automatic yes. But the answer to that question is yes, the branch can start abiding again. Yes, the Christian who is no longer in close fellowship with Jesus Christ, yes, that Christian can get back into a close relationship with Jesus Christ if that Christian still has the desire to do that in his heart. In other words, Scripture teaches, and I'll show you a verse in just a moment, that it is possible for a Christian who has let something come between him or her and God, they've stopped abiding... They've grieved the spirit. The flow is blocked. It is possible for a Christian to get in such a condition that they lose all spiritual sensitivity and they no longer have a desire to abide in Christ again. And once that happens, you couldn't couldn't abide again because you no longer have the desire. Now, go to 1 Timothy. I'll show you this in chapter number 4. Just one verse here. Paul is talking about the same thing happening. Now, Christians who have stopped abiding in Jesus, they've allowed something to come between them and God. And this is a very serious situation. And it's so serious that Paul uses an illustration that many of us will understand. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Now, if somebody's lying, they're clearly not abiding in Jesus. Now, watch this. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. If you know anything about cattle, you know that if a cattle owner, a rancher, uh, maybe a dairyman, who has all these, it would mo- has all these cattle, and he wants to, to brand his cattle so it's obvious that they belong to him. He takes a hot iron... And he brands that candle, he sears that brand on that, can, on, that, on that cow. As soon as he brands that cow, the spot that is branded, that is seared without all hot iron, lose, the nerves lose all sensitivity. You, if you've been up with a cow that's been branded, you go up and touch that cow on that part of his body, or her body rather, that's been branded, you know that that cow can't feel that because the spiritual nerves have, have, have died there's no spirit there's no sensitivity at all well in the Christian life Paul is saying the scripture is teaching that it is possible to have quit abiding in Jesus to have allowed something to come between you and him and it's like you have been branded with a hot iron and you have lost all spiritual sensitivity and so somebody could hear this message today for example and say you know what as I look at my own life, I'm not as close to God as I used to be. I'm not. I haven't led anybody to Christ in a long time. Don't have the same joy I once had. Don't have the same love for people. I've become bitter and angry, and I'm just not where I used to be. And it's possible a person could hear that and say, I want to get back to that place of abiding. Well, if that's you today, then you just know your spiritual sensitivity has not been seared. It's not been branded. You still have an impulse for God. Somebody, though, could hear this message and say, you know what? I may not be as close to God as I used to be. I may not be doing all for God that I used to do. I may not have the same joy and peace and love in my heart that I used to have. But what's the big deal? Nobody's perfect. Who cares? Well, friend, I'll tell you what. You hear this message and you say, I'm not where I used to be, but who cares? You are running the risk of having lost all spiritual sensitivity. And if that happens, it would be I'm not saying that you've that anybody here's. I pray to God nobody here's reached that, but I'm saying anybody could have reached that place, and it would be possible for a person to stop abiding and never start abiding again because they don't want to have a ab- ab- they don't want they've lost a the desire for that. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Think about this verse: Blessed are those now. Watch this: who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Well, we're going to have to stop right there for today. We're out of time, but. You know, Sometimes we do lose our hunger and our passion for God. And when that happens, we just have to be honest with the Lord and say, God, I, I don't have that same fire in my bones for you. I don't have that same hunger in my heart for you. And so, Lord, reignite that spark. God, give me that hunger again so that I'll seek you with all of my heart. And friend, I pray that's what you'll do in your life today. Whatever you may be facing, whatever you may be going through, even if you have allowed situations and circumstances to make you stop abiding in the vine, today turn to God and just say to Him, Lord, I want to get reconnected to You. I want to begin abiding in You again so that You can produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll have a great week.